So we just have to be very cognizant and aware of all those complexities and really understand when we move from the detection to the response phase and the isolation phase, what's going to be the downstream impact if we start isolating and shutting systems down? Or can we actually go into eradication and recovery without taking out specific applications, functions, or services in the healthcare system? Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and active directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIP Podcast. Healthcare remains a special case in identity security with its own set of very challenging problems that many other industries don't have to face. For example, when we talk about recovery time objectives, RTO, in the healthcare space, it can literally be life or death and how quickly you recover systems. Uh, healthcare organizations have to deal with a wide variety of IoT devices. And again, they are tied literally to life or death situations. And of course, you can't talk about healthcare without, you know, mentioning everything that's been going on with COVID for the last couple of years and all of the impacts to that and it impacts from that uh, in addition to everything else that's been going on in the environment. Joining me today to talk about these unique challenges in healthcare cybersecurity is Marty Mamjian, Healthcare Solutions Advisor at Sirius Computer Solutions. Marty's got an extensive technical background in enterprise architecture and healthcare IT, and he works with healthcare organizations on a daily basis to provide strategic direction and solutions that fit the needs of the businesses, clinicians, and the patients. And that's really an important setup there. It's a really important thing to point out is business, clinicians, and patients in healthcare because they're very, very different constituencies. So welcome, Marty. Thanks for taking the time out of your very busy week uh, to have a chat. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So in your in your role uh, as a solutions advisor, what do you have to do on a daily basis? What is What do you end up working with healthcare companies nowadays to uh, respond to things? To, to, to What do you advise them on? What do you help them move forward on? Yeah, so I wear um, multiple hats. The last 15 years or so, uh, my focus has been clinical infrastructure, data center technology, 50% of the time focusing really on the security side of the house around Active Directory uh, identity, and the other 50% um, mainly around clinical application resiliency and availability around uh, EHR. Um, nowadays, last two years or so, primarily just focusing on incident response. Um, most of the time leading incident response or helping healthcare organizations put together their incident response preparedness and plan. And so you're in, in actively involved in cyber attacks against healthcare organizations. Yeah, it depends on uh, the healthcare system, the situation, how we support specific customers, either involved in leading active incidents to helping organizations recover or helping organizations put together their incident response plan in case there is a significant threat or a breach. This is the preparedness 
for the organizations that are able to work on preparedness. You work with them to uh, ensure that or to minimize the risk of a cyber attack. And then if they do get in, you come in to provide some assistance. If you find yourself being called in to assist an organization, and I've talked to other incident response people on this podcast about it, I'm curious as to what sort of steps do you take when you come into an organization? What are your recommendations for the first steps they take? I know you said you focused on identity security and active directory security. I'm curious to your your expert perspective on steps that they should take. We put together a pretty prescriptive playbook to follow and a sequence, depending on where the organization is and what framework to follow. Uh, for example, I'm a big believer in NIST and their framework and uh, MITRE in general. Um, generally, our first steps is just pause everything 15 minutes, get a situation report, figure out how far they are in identifying the threat. Or are they currently in isolation? Are they currently in detection? Uh, are they in recovery? Just to get an understanding of what the active threat is and also understanding what can be isolated and what should be isolated to protect certain environments that may have not been compromised. Our goal is situational awareness right away, right? Figure out how fast can we help these organizations recover in a secure state. Understand the scope of the problem early on and try to isolate and minimize the damage. Yeah, really isolate, minimize the damage. And also make sure, because of how chaotic incident response can be, uh, that we follow a very prescriptive playbook and not cause any additional damage during an active incident. So that's a very interesting point. And you talk about a prescriptive playbook. So the idea being that the phrase I like to use, and anyone that's listening to me hears this again and again, everybody's running around with their hair on fire in a situation like this. Yeah. Yeah, it's chaotic, right? It's the faster you control the chaos during an active incident, um, the faster you're going to be able to recover. Okay, so you try to get everybody working towards a regular playbook and everybody knows their roles so that they can follow their roles without too much thrashing around and stepping on each other's feet or causing more damage. Yeah, make sure there's a very specific incident response team composition and also which vendors and partners are involved, what the roles and responsibilities are. Generally, if organizations don't have that defined, we define that right away, even during an active incident, to take control of uh, the situation and the incident. Other uh, guests on this podcast have described the fact that one of the biggest factors in slowing response to a cyber incident is organizational chaos, where nobody knows who's in charge. Nobody's empowered to make solutions or they they try to make solutions by committee, which slows things down. Yeah, that's extremely accurate. Um, I think not just in healthcare, right? We, we need to know right away who are the decision makers, who's actually actioning on specific tasks, what are the procedures that are being followed uh, along the way, documenting anything and everything for a cyber insurance requirement if it's uh, needed. It's always pretty chaotic if organizations haven't gone through a major incident. On the healthcare side, we also have, with the technical incident response and security, there's also processes we need to follow for major incident management or emergency management on the clinical side and the application and administration side of healthcare as well. So it does become pretty chaotic pretty fast. Right, because unlike a typical organization, you have both the administrative side and the clinical side. That, that has to be dealt with. I know I, one one uh, guest on this, uh, Ben Call of Accenture, 
has said that he espouses rip open the envelope type of organization so that you've got a specific emergency structure that is not normally in place. But when something happens and it's been, you know, designated as a, a cyber incident that you rip open the envelope with this temporary org structure so that you can um, make streamlined decisions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's speed to decision-making, right? And healthcare is pretty unique in that. Traditionally, with incident response, before the days of ransomware and the early days of ransomware, uh, our natural you know, gut reaction was, if there is a compromised workstation or compromised credentials, pull the plug on everything, right? Shut down the data center, shut down the network, shut down the internet. Um, in healthcare, we can't just pull the plug because of the complexity of our environment and the systems that are running in the background to support clinical decisions and patient care. So we have to put controls around the chaos very, very quickly. And it gets back to you know making sure we don't do more harm than good in the initial steps of the incident to really understand and identify what the compromise is and what systems are affected and making sure that we actually do a risk assessment at every step at, at every decision during an active incident. The phrase pull the plug, it came out of healthcare. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So one of the unique aspects, and this is something I'd like to explore with you a little bit more are the unique challenges in securing a healthcare organization. And so what I'm hearing you say is that one aspect of this is you can't afford in the case of a cyber incident, you can't afford to put draconian controls on the environment and just shut everything down. You have to try to contain and minimize it. So you keep as many systems up as humanly possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the goal is with every incident or even preparing for putting together an incident response plan it's minimized clinical impact, right? The clinicians, what we've learned is clinicians, doctors, nurses, uh, really anybody in clinical, they can continue delivering patient care if the medical record system is not available. Uh, Where it gets more complex is if we start shutting certain systems down, uh, that's when there's compliance issues and regulatory issues where if an organization doesn't have a plan, Uh, We can't just shut down patient registration. Um, We can't just shut down the pharmacy. We can't just shut down specific systems uh, that are ancillary systems to support patient care and clinician access. Um, Especially now that, you know, patient care has moved out of the traditional brick and mortar, which has added a lot more complexities in healthcare. And in certain healthcare systems and environments, every application talks to every other application, right? Because of HIE and medical record system exchange. Um, Mm -hmm. So we just have to be very cognizant and aware of all those complexities and really understand when we move from the detection to the response phase and the isolation phase, um, what's going to be the downstream impact if we start isolating and shutting systems down? Or can we actually go into eradication and recovery without taking out specific applications, functions, or services in the healthcare system. Before we started recording, we've had a conversation about this, about some of the special healthcare problems, some of the obvious special healthcare problems, and some of the not-so-obvious healthcare problems. You talked a little bit about time, value, and target. Can you talk a little bit more about what makes healthcare 
it may share some things with critical infrastructure, but it definitely has its own set of complexities that make it vulnerable and and especially difficult to to protect. Yeah, I would say the unique parts of healthcare, um, security posture and recoverability are the highest priority now. Historically, we as an industry focused on the end user experience and traditionally it was usability. How fast can a clinician access a system and deliver patient care and focus on the patient, make their experience seamless as possible. Um, now that's shifting where we're adding extra friction into the access methodology in the healthcare system. Right now we're adding multi-factor to everything, uh, which we should, right? That's a critical control to have in any organization, not just healthcare. Um, and also our systems, everything talks to everything, right? Between our interface engines and integration engines, the amount of data healthcare systems are exchanging internally between applications, and also the amount of data that we're exchanging with third-party clinical vendors and other healthcare organizations. It's just very, very, very complex. Um, with those complexities, you know, organizations will circumvent specific defined controls for the sake of usability and data exchange. Um, that's what really makes us unique is that we can't, you know, as much as we have to protect PHI and uh, HIPAA protected information, um, we still have to exchange that information and send it off to third parties second by second basis. So there's connectivity to anything and everything, um, not just within the healthcare organization. Another big thing is healthcare. What I brought up earlier is clinical support and patient care is really starting to move out of brick and mortar, right? Especially with the pandemic. Um, now that we're hopefully at the tail end of it, uh, we've discovered that red tape doesn't have to exist as much as it did, where now clinicians can provide telehealth and remote care to patients, whether they're inside of a clinical setting or sitting at home on their couch, right? So now we have to secure access and you know laptops workstations remote access at the clinician's home and make sure that they are accessing what's inside of our perimeter and then also delivering patient care remotely at the same time so now our perimeter that we have to secure is extended anywhere and everywhere at the end of the day so you're saying the clinician at home is both using some probably some SaaS application to perform the telehealth, but at the same time, they have to be accessing on-premises um, uh, clinical systems to be able to look up what's going on with the patient, to look up their records, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, and add on top of it, the clinicians can be anywhere now, right? They could be sitting at home, they could be at Starbucks on an airplane, and now we're responsible for making sure they have secure access and putting very tight controls around what they are accessing, what and how, but at the same time, reduce the amount of friction that they have to access those environments and those applications. Right. And, and I, th the friction is such an important aspect of this. Describe a little bit because, because for our listeners that are not in healthcare, the persona or the profile of the clinicians and their, their tolerance for all the IT systems that they have to deal with today. That's when the complexity comes in, right? Within healthcare, there's hundreds, if not thousands of personas, um, depending on the specialty of the clinician, the department that they support, the type of patient care they're delivering, the access that they have to internal systems. Healthcare is very, very targeted with their personas. And there's hundreds, if not thousands of them. And that ties right into what applications do they access? How do they access them? When do they access them? 
and do they need additional levels of security around what they are accessing where now you add in the complexity of in brick and mortar we have done a very good job of using single sign-on and tap and go technology for clinicians to promote patient engagement right a clinician is just used to walking into a patient room badging in with their tapping out technology, getting access to the EMR within seconds, automatically popping up the patient chart that they need, and they're off to the races. And they're spending more time with the patients instead of sitting at a computer. Now with everything going on in the security space, we have to add specific friction point and controls to that, where depending on their persona and whether they are on-site or remote, now we're adding in multi-factor, we're adding in specific secure role-based access. We're adding in specific controls to limit what they can access where, depending if they're in their department or not. And that reduces the engagement time that clinicians will have with patients. So it's kind of balancing that fine line between security and usability. And these are the, the clinicians there, as you say, there are many different roles, but these are not typically overly technically savvy people uh, or, or with a high patience level. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely not a high patience level at all, right? We More often than not, I hear doctors and nurses tell us, I didn't go to school to use a computer. I went to school to take care of patients. We have to do our best to support them because they are the ones taking care of patients, right? But at the same time, we're responsible for securing the environment. In terms of securing the environment, isn't another one of the aspects of this the large number of IoT devices you have in your uh, that are tied to all of your systems? We're now calling it IOMT for Internet Medical Things. It's IoT at the end of the day, right? These are either smart devices or dumb devices that are sitting on a network that most organizations don't have full control of. And it's not like a traditional operating system that we can go drop an EDR agent on it, get all the telemetry and visibility information that we need. Um, it's more like, let's put five or six or 10 devices inside of a patient care setting and hope for the best, especially with vulnerabilities, right? Uh, those devices are not, for the medical manufacturers, always the most secure devices because there's no regulation driving that. These IOMT devices, tie back to, I I know we talked about where Active Directory fits in all of this in healthcare, in the healthcare markets. AD is still still being used in in healthcare? Oh, yeah. It's the primary directory system for every healthcare organization. Active Directory is still the primary directory, right? The anchor for everything authentication and access. What about cloud services and any kind of hybrid connectivity? Healthcare is starting to adopt I think we're no longer in the infancy of adopting cloud. Uh, Most organizations are looking at going to Azure and Office 365 for their hybrid cloud, especially for productivity and collaboration tools. Mm -hmm. Um, And now we have Azure AD as an additional layer of complexity with an environment to secure. On top of it, a lot of B2B access for third-party vendors that are leveraging the AD environment, leveraging their privileged access management solutions, leveraging Azure AD as their primary identity for access. So you have both third-party connections through Azure AD and also directly for your on-prem AD, isn't that correct, through Federation? Yeah, Federation still runs rampant within healthcare organizations. Yet another vector to secure, right? 
what has uh, COVID done to your resources, to your personnel, uh, to your to the the amount of people you can have to get things done? Burnout is a huge issue right now. Um, it has been for the last two and a half years, and not just for the clinicians. I mean, clinical got beat up pretty bad, right? And we saw a significant amount of burnout in the clinical space. Also, at the same time, we are seeing it in the IT operations and security space. Um, healthcare organizations are, one, fighting for talent and trying to compete with a lot of Silicon Valley security companies and trying to figure out how to get talented resources within healthcare organizations to support IT operations, IT security, IT administration. Um, at the same time, healthcare was never remote, right? There's the challenges of now convincing people to come work at a healthcare organization for the greater good and making sure that they have secure remote access and they have a good work-life balance. That's always been a challenge in the healthcare space, um, yeah, especially for nurses and physicians, especially nurses. IT has a role now that we don't want to make their job any more difficult than it has to be, right? That's when we go back to cause less friction, give them the access that they need to deliver patient care and try to make their lives a little easier mm -hmm. because they're already getting beat up for 12 hours a day in the patient care setting. In any industry, it's, it is the slider between security and usability, right? Yep, 100%. So let's talk for a little bit about HISAC. Um, and so what is HISAC and what's your involvement in it? So HISAC's the Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center. It's a nonprofit composed of community members in healthcare and the public sector space. And their goal is actually sharing and providing healthcare relevant information to members on current threats, incidents, vulnerabilities, and just general knowledge sharing. Um, I'm a big fan of HISAC because it is very industry focused and it's a really, really good community within the healthcare space for knowledge sharing. Um, that's one thing healthcare does pretty well. It's different competing organizations and partner organizations um, will work together to share as much knowledge as possible, especially in the security space. And HISAC really promotes that aspect. Uh, that's great. Is this an organization that any healthcare organization can join? Yeah. Yeah. Any healthcare organization, um, any member of IT security, highly recommend looking into it. They are a wealth of knowledge. And it's generally very peer-driven for information sharing. Mm, okay. Uh, so uh, when when uh, new issues become aware, it's shared and it's it's shared in HISAC uh, across the organization, so that um, you get broader awareness more quickly. Yeah, yeah, and they're very good. HISAC's very very good about driving participation for activities, events, um, really regional events of CISOs uh, really getting together and ideating around how their organization is handling security. Mm. Okay. Well, that's great. That's great information. And, and thank you for your time, Marty. Uh, it's Healthcare is such a complex tiger to try to understand and make sense of. This has been very helpful uh, ex explaining some of the complexities and not just the complexities, but some action that organizations can take to maybe make their life a little bit easier by looking into HISAC. Definitely. I've been doing healthcare for a long time and I still haven't figured it out. It's all about planning, right? 
and finding the right organizations, partners, and really planning as much as you can around the security space and partnering with the rest of healthcare business partners to make sure you have a solid plan as a healthcare system to respond to anything and everything. Well, thank you very much, Marty. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you as well, sir. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.